Good afternoon, Mr. Amer. Everything is going extremely well. Let me put it this way, Mr. Amer. The 9000 series is the most reliable computer ever made. No 9000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. So I am constantly occupied. I am putting myself to the fullest possible use, which is all I think that any conscious entity can ever hope to do. Bishop takes Knight's point. I'm sorry, Frank, I think you missed it. Queen to Bishop three. Bishop takes Queen. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to No Hope, the podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Bradley, joined again by Adam Steele. Hey. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm fine, thanks. COVID-free. Yes, yeah. Another week. We made it another week. Uh, Today is Tuesday, October 27, 2020, and this is episode 64. Uh, So the two topics that we wanted to touch on were um, just basically touching base on the Biden laptop and what's what's been going on since last week and uh, a, a number of different sort of small points about um, coronavirus and, and the latest situation mm-hmm. there, um, possibly all, all in the context of um, the election. Yeah. And... Um, also, just the weird, you know, never endless media bias on all this stuff. Um, so I don't hilarious. Yeah, I mean it. Yeah, it 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 is brutal. Um, you know, I think I sent you a couple of things today about the top news when I open. Um, you know, when yeah. I open Twitter at different times of the day, and uh, I don't even have uh, my Twitter open right now. Um, but what was it? The earlier in the day. Do you remember what I said? What I saw. Yeah, yeah. You were just saying how like all of the top things were, you know, basically uh, some anti-Trump, like you know, dressed up as fact checks, basically. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What were the two? Anyway, I. I it... And also, like the the. Things that they wanted to claim would be for Trump's second term. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So top, yeah. one of the top news today was Texas is going to turn uh, blue. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then that, so that was later. Earlier in the day, it was that antibodies are dropping. Again, it's mm-hmm. like as expected, but they're claiming that this means we're all going to die. Um, right. So we could talk about that, but I think that you said you wanted to do uh, election stuff first. Yeah, Biden laptop yeah. Stuff. Biden laptop. Okay. But you know, but it, the 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 point is, it's like I mean, this is top news. This is like the big banner when you go into the search or explore area, and yeah. you know, these are these aren't organically up there. Like an, a, yeah. a random anybody study is not beating out the Biden laptop on social media, it's Twitter suppressing one and, and, and raising one up. So we'll do <clears throat> our best to counteract that with our reach. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll yeah. talk a little bit about it. And I, I don't have any um, uh, any real like specific notes on it. Um, okay. But they, uh, I, you know, I've just been kind of following it. And I, I I think why I don't really have the notes is because nothing super 
duper has changed um in well, the their sense business of, like, partner, nothing's gonna happen yeah i mean what was that guy's name Bobolunsky, but that was last I, week right I, I don't think we mentioned it in our last podcast, though. Oh, so, you know, basically okay. this guy was, he was like the, the CEO or the CFO. He was running basically one of these operations. And this is some stuff related to the, the China deals, yeah. which it's like no one knows really what these are. It's a bunch of business dealings in China. And this guy, he basically came out because he got cut out of the money. Like his story right. is basically, yeah, yeah. I, I was running this operation. I was supposed to get paid. Uh, but then the Chinese just sent the money directly to, to Hunter and cut and they cut me out. Yeah. So I'm going to try to F them by corroborating some of the other details here. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's interesting, but at the same time, like it's still uh, nothing that is directly tying like Biden to this. So, I mean, he is like, tying Biden. I don't know if he's got hard evidence, but he right, is. That's what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, I guess I guess like the texts and stuff were they never at least what we saw in the emails. They never Where? specifically named them. I mean, they referred to the right. big guy and people are, are jumping to the conclusion that that's Biden. But, you know, this guy's specifically naming him. But yes. we're not sure if he has any actual direct communication. I mean, I think even if he had a like non-coded message, although I, I mean, I feel I think that. Um, you can still go down with only ever using coded messages, right? I mean, that wasn't that the whole, um, what's the, uh, Al Capone, like, didn't he have a, a, like, coded ledger that event, that one of his, okay. you know, accountant people or whatever flipped, and I they interpreted it, and that was okay. enough. Because, like, otherwise, you could just, as like, as long as I never say your name, you can somehow never be implicated. Well, uh, I mean, all they all they have to do is show, like, some transfer of money yeah, from yeah. somewhere in China to Hunter to Biden. Because, I mean, that's the nature of the claim. The claim is that these weren't deals just to enrich Hunter, but that somehow Joe Biden was getting a piece of the action. Because yeah. he was obviously the person who would motivate someone to give money to Hunter. Yeah. So... So that's what you need to show. And that's that's still what's missing. Certainly some people say, well, how can you not see it? And then other people are saying, oh, it's definitely there. But I mean, right, who knows? Right. I mean, know. the, the FBI supposedly has this stuff. And uh, the information that I heard was that the department that was doing the investigation is some sort of money laundering uh, or, or banking and banking fraud type okay. department. So like that's the having if you believe that and i don't i think that's like a confirmed thing that's just like the part of the delaware office that got the laptop and that was doing some, some kind of investigation that's what they might be looking into okay those guys move really slow is the thing yeah yeah and so and you it's it's hard to it would be i think it's when trump is in office it's not so hard to believe that there's a lot of folks sort of working in the other direction and that the fbi could be you know doing stuff against them I and mean, that was the whole basis of him wanting to fire uh, Comey. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit more difficult for me to believe that there's like a lot of people at a high level that are going to push an investigation forward if Biden winds up winning the election. Yeah. So yeah. in all likelihood, what happens is like there's from some foot dragging that goes on for the course of this year. If there was anything to find, it just winds up getting buried after that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I on On that front, I don't think that there's much more that could come out of a laptop uh like my interest is peaked you know i i, I am mm -hmm. i am 
I'm as ready as I can be to hear it. But like you said, now, you know, we'll just see what happens. But like more and more sort of emails and text messages and people corroborating. It's kind of like, all right, right. like, yeah, I mean, if I had to guess, it's true. But are you going to oh, be yeah. able to prove it? You know, you yeah. know, like I, this isn't surprising behavior to me. Um, sure. I mean, some of the maybe some of the stuff with like the Hunter Biden stuff, but that that's not what you know is really the big thing here. It's the Joe, you know, the connection to Joe and, Biden and affecting. I mean, that would be. And wild. even if they show it, it doesn't mean that people care that much. Mm-hmm. Like, if the story is too complicated, no one cares. Like this, like Trump talking to the to the head of the Ukraine saying, oh, I'm not going to release these funds unless you get an investigation into Biden. Like that's some pretty damning stuff, too. And it's like fully confirmed at this point through the transcripts and through what people who are around like Bolton are saying. Mm-hmm. But it's complicated enough and there's enough wiggle room there that no one cares. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like. Anybody saying anything probably isn't going to matter at this point because you basically have to have someone on video or some bank records of someone getting money for it really to move the needle for anyone at this point. Yeah, and certainly nothing's going to happen before November 3rd. So I think that that aspect of it has probably ran its course. Um, I mean, I would along those lines, I would assume that if there was anything more damning on this sort of corruption financial angle it would have been already you know released um so i would assume it's circumstantial the post stuff was released like at this time for a reason Mm -hmm. so there's nothing to say that there aren't like they if you calculated a window like in response to some revelation it's possible someone's pulling might go down and then it might go up when people realize they don't care so it's totally possible. Like we got a, still a few days left in October here. Right, that right. there could be another October surprise. You got like five True. days left yeah. for surprises. <laughs> well, and that's why I was saying that maybe that's why. Yeah, why they were trickling it out a bit. It, yeah. it, it didn't. You know, it just kind of didn't make sense. It was like, well, just show all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, they waited until, um, I don't know when when that was. It's like 12 two, days ago well, the first thing came out. But these recent, like the pictures in the videos of yeah. Hunter Biden, that was mm-hmm. like in the last was, day or two? Yeah, it was the last couple of days. So yeah, that's kind of, yeah, prime in the pump again. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, without a, without a doubt. And now, uh, so if, you know, if you haven't seen the pictures, there's a lot of pictures of him doing drugs and having sex. And then presumably one of the people he's having sex with is his like underage niece. Um, I don't know how well that is confirmed or is confirmable. I mean, I don't know. I went to 4chan to see what those autists have come up with. And, uh, you know, they have their, they have their methods. They have their little techniques, you know, where they find like identifiable features and show them in different, but I didn't find it super convincing. Um, so I don't really know. I don't know what the latest on that is. Um, but you know, does it, I, I mean, I think that to the extent that it's going to land, you know, like you kind of keep coming back to like, what do do people care or not? I, you know, I don't know. I, I people mean, definitely I, will care about that. Yeah. But again, you'd have to tie it to Biden. And then people would have to also care about that. Like, 
they'd have to sh- he had to show to an extent that Biden somehow knew this was going on and didn't report it or suppressed it or something so before it's going to affect him. So what to what extent? I mean, and this is what I've been been thinking about it specifically with the you know sort of sex and drug stuff. Um, I mean, <clears throat> I and it's just pure speculation, um, but. You know, I wonder to what extent does, you know, when you look at the Biden family through this lens, does it still, you know, kind of besmirch the character of the patriarch when you're saying like, you know, your son is doing all this crazy stuff, um, you know. Uh, you know, obviously, it, like trading on your name at, at, a, at a minimum. I mean, that stuff yeah. seems pretty obvious. Possibly having sex with his own niece, like, you know, all under your roof. And uh, there's some weird there. I mean, one of the I, I don't think we can report on that, like as being a thing until there's more corroboration. It's too serious to like mess mm-hmm. around with. I think is speculation. Mm-hmm. I just feel I would feel very uncomfortable, like talking right. about that until I see it from something someone who has like independently verified that there's some aspect of it. Cause it's like, there could be a mix of truths and untruths in this. Like yeah. there's plenty of stuff in there that's certainly real and represents reality, but it wouldn't be hard at this point, given how few people have access to like the base data and how little time there has been to vet it for some extra stuff to be slipped in there. And I certainly don't put that past yeah. some of the shady people involved in this. But what, what I'm saying is though, like you're in the 1%. Of people mm-hmm. that will reserve judgment. And the other yeah. 99% of the US population yes. isn't. And I think that some of those people are affected. I mean, I get I think that that's really mm-hmm. just the purpose that yeah. they just think that there's some people sitting on the fence that really, you know, have some sort of family values thing in their list of uh, you know, important things for a president and because they would hit Trump, but now all of a sudden it feels like, man, like Trump's got the upstanding, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, model family. Uh, if again, right, it doesn't, you know, like I used to do uh, a lot of those um, episodes where I would just go across like the headlines and stuff because yeah. I felt and and maybe read like a little bit of the article because I felt like that's all anybody ever sees, and I want to, you know, analyze that. And, you know, well, this is this is what people aren't digging into these articles. These articles are a joke when you open them up. They're all full of holes. And um, so a- anyway, uh, I, I mean, just it. Yeah, it it's pretty unreal. <laughs> as we're getting, right. you know, as we're getting closer. And that I think that's a, a great call, too, that, you know, we still have six or seven days, yeah. seven days. I mean, we're, you know, let's call it. There's going to probably be something else, something else. And, um, you know, we can we can move on then from, from here. And I just want to kind of summing up, I, uh, man, I, I am moving more and more towards feeling like I think Trump might actually win. Um, okay. I, I, I've seen enough polls and and it's actually got me thinking a little bit about polling and the difficulty of the problem because mm-hmm. I'll see, you know, a poll they'll say, you know, whatever, uh, you know, Biden up 52 48 and then you you know, you sort of read 
the fine print and you know 70% of respondents were democrats or you know whatever yeah. and it, and it got me thinking like okay well let's say i actually wanted to do an honest poll what percentage would i even pick you know because if i just picked 50-50 i mean you would almost get 50-50 right is that's not realistic um mm-hmm. I, I do think that that is one person I was looking into a bit. They really focused on independence. I think that was kind of an interesting. It's like you're you're sampling a minority section of the voting populace, but it's like the section that swings back and forth. Um, mm-hmm. So that that was kind of yeah. kind of interesting. But but you know, it just had me. Um, I've been thinking a little bit about what even what what is like if you really honestly want to do a a poll to see what you predict the you know the results. What you know what sample? It's got to be hard. Th- yeah, it's got to be hard these days. People don't pick up their phone. Yeah. Uh, and you know it, these days there's so many junk calls on your cell phone too. It's like you have to be a crazy person to pick up an unknown caller. <laughs> yes. Who answers? Who answers that call? And then, like, what? Some some robot or some person who sounds like a telemarketer picks up, and you keep talking to them. Yeah, so we're like we're definitely sampling only the craziest people with a lot of time on their hands. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> now whether that cuts one way or the other, I couldn't tell you, but I can respect that this is a hard, hard problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and I, you know, this year I. I would assume you're getting the same thing because um, I think everybody is. I have, ne- I don't ever remember getting text messages before from a camp from any campaigns, and now every single day I'm getting them. Oh, really? Yeah, I haven't gotten any. Maybe it's because I'm uh, in Maryland. Um, oh, yeah. It, maybe there's some. Georgia's closer this time. It's actually like a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that might be the reason. Yeah, it's more. More Trump, um, mm-hmm. but I, I'm definitely getting uh, getting them and and a lot of calls. But I'm not I'm not answering any of them, and I'm <laughs> they're not leaving messages. So who knows? Maybe I right. could have been part of one of these polls. Um, but yeah, leaning I'm leaning a little bit more this way. Certainly would would not be surprised if Biden wins. Um, but I would not be surprised if Trump does better this year than than mm-hmm. previously. Um, okay. Yeah, I, uh, I, there's somebody. Asked, I don't have a very strong opinion no. of it. I, I understand yeah, yeah. that it's a, I understand that it's a hard problem, but I'm inclined to generally trust the people doing it want to continue doing it in the future. So they're going to yeah. probably also try their best to get it right because <laughs> it, the the big perception is that they did horribly last time. I am not totally sure that that's the case, uh, but let's assume that it is. And that is the perception. Well, what do you mean that it, that's not the case? Please expand because, on that. Because while Trump Trump performed better than the polls by a decent amount in a few key states, but they were extremely close. The people who do the best technical job at polling, like I think Nate Silver is in this category, he his odds were not that far off. Like if the guy says Trump has a 25% chance of winning and then Trump wins, like what are you going to say? You can't say that like you're wrong. <laughs> right, right. You can't say that he got it wrong. It's like you have a bunch of these polls. 
you try to average them together as best you can, and you come up with the result. If the result is not like 95 and 5%, and you know the, the person who is the supposed underdog there wins, you can't conclude from that that the data was bad. Yeah. I feel because like that's a weird. I play games all the time. Like I roll yeah. dice all day long, and <laughs> sometimes you roll that twenty when you need to. Right. right. And uh, you know, maybe Trump rolled a twenty. You know, yeah. and you know, you got to figure that was what Wisconsin was. That was what Michigan was. You know, these were really close states. So, so this is. I just don't have very strong of opinions on it as as most people. I think. Yeah. No. I. So my feeling on this. Uh, specifically is saying that somebody that Trump has, like I saw at 88, 12 uh, today, Biden has an 88% chance of winning. All right. That's pushing up high there. Yeah. But I feel like that's just an odd way to state it. You know, like it's not as if there is some chance thing that can occur that it's just that they don't know. Right. I mean, it's not like there's this huge chunk of people that's just like, randomly choosing their position on election day Mm -hmm. and so i I feel like it's just right it's not inaccurate it's just stating it in an odd way and i think it's stating in a in a kind of a cya way you know like cover their butts Mm -hmm. um to you know so they have the out but uh, agree i mean it, it is super difficult and you know ultimately he lost the popular vote so you know, any kind of national poll that was just showing that, right. you know, Hillary had. So to that's a better nationally. question. So so it's a lot harder to get that get that wrong. So let's see who predicted what the national polling was res- result would be last time mm-hmm. and see how close they got, because that's the thing that you would care about. And what all the Trump pro Trump people like to hear, they always want to say, oh, there's a bunch of Trump voters out there. They don't answer their phone. They don't want to talk to the people who are doing the polls. Uh, that's where that would show up most easily. Because you're talking about the individual states, no one's going to get a poll that tells you to, to like half a percent, which is what some of these states turned on, mm-hmm. right? So you can forgive that and just say like it's inside the noise. Maybe you ran the same election again and, yeah. you know, 0.5% of people decided, oh, uh, you know, my stomach's really hurting. I'm not going to the to the poll place today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other thing I I think, too, is and I mean, I can't really if somebody was like an expert in this, I mean, they could maybe call BS on on what I'm saying. But my perception is that Trump in 2016 really focused on the battleground states. And I think Mm -hmm. that Hillary wasted her time in areas where there was no chance of her losing, you know. I mean, just mm-hmm. what, sure. I mean, and, gotta, in, and in places where she had no chance of winning. Right, right. Yeah. So like that is so what you said is true, but it is also true that she did not visit places like Wisconsin because for some reason she had herself convinced that she had wrapped those up and yeah. wanted to win big. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not sure. It it seems like such an obvious strategy. It's like the electoral college has been in place <laughs> since yeah. this thing's you know has been going. Like it seems obvious I, because I you know I think it's unfair to say to to conclude that just because Trump received less of the popular vote that he that there's actually less people that wanted him versus Hillary because 
uh, his right. strategy. And I think that if if they got rid of it and it was a straight popular vote in the mm-hmm. you know in the United States, I think he would just run a totally different strategy. And who knows what would happen, you know? Um, but yeah, I, that that point's been made by other people yeah. too. It's totally true that. So it depends on how much you think like what the candidates do matters. Yes. If you think what they do matters, then yes, the strategy Dude, would be is, different and maybe yeah. the outcomes would be different. This election is the referendum on that. If Joe Biden wins, mm-hmm. campaigning does not matter. Joe Biden it's has right. done literally <laughs> not. Like this is yes. the greatest disparity in campaign energy or whatever that I've ever yeah. seen in my life. And you know what's funny? Um, I was just complaining to somebody I work with today about the ads, the political ads. And on YouTube, I probably see uh, – now, I can spend a good amount of time on YouTube doing research for the show, uh, cooking <laughs> stuff, music, recording things, all kinds of stuff. You know, I I, I, I do um, – I mean, I, I probably – half of my, like, screen video watching a day is probably YouTube versus, mm-hmm. like, a Netflix or something like that. Um Literally every commercial today, I mean, except, no, no, that's right. There was a few for, it's still Democrat, but it's more generic, like get out and vote. Um, Outside of like maybe three commercials, and I'm talking about out of like 50 I've seen today, were all John Ossoff commercials. Like, Hmm. and for weeks, that's been it. The only stuff that gets in there is anti-John Ossoff every once in a while there'll be like 10 or 20 in a row like John Ossoff I've seen and it's the same commercial over and I feel like I'm going crazy when I'm on YouTube (laughs) and um and then every once in a while there'll be an like an anti-Ossoff it's funny because I almost can't even tell them apart like it's just meaningless I don't know what but not like not a single Trump or Biden Hmm. all John Ossoff interesting yeah and I'm going to tell you, I don't even know. I think he's running for Senate. Like, they don't yeah. even communicate anything about him. One guy's just like, one is John Ossoff is great. And the other one's John Ossoff is bad. And then one is Obama's talking about my friend John Ossoff. <laughs> that, <laughs> that one makes me want to vote for him. But anyway, yeah. so so that's where we have the elections. Um, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll have another. We'll get one more in there. Man, we could do an election yeah. special. Election special. Oh my well, that God. could be interesting. That would be a week from today, right? It's Tuesday. Okay. Mama mia. Okay. We could do, uh, I could figure out the video thing and we could get a share screen. We could have different graphs and charts <laughs> going to the battleground states. <laughs> Maybe. I just want to know how, what percent Joe gets. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. All right. So, um, yeah, friends of mine, we have a bet. Uh, we have, I think it's only four of us right now, but if Trump wins, my, uh, Democrat friends are taking us out for steak. And if, okay. if Biden wins, we have to bet. Either way, we're all going out for steak, but the, uh, you know, it's basically win win. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I, uh, I, um, I'm sort of tainted with the Trump thing. I'm really trying to okay. use all my influence to get this free. All your influence to get a steak dinner. Yep, yep, yep. So anyway, all right. So moving on, still very important to the election, but uh, you know, our old friend, COVID-19, mm-hmm. and I'll just pass to you where you want to start. Um, 
we're already like 30 minutes in. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, just take it away, whatever whatever angle you want to go. So, so for the United States, uh, we've been kind of treading water uh, in terms of deaths for like quite a while now, a couple months. Um, some people sit, think that this is because things are kind of remaining as they are, but that's not really what's going on. So you had these huge outbreaks in the Northeast around New York City. And then those tapered off, and that was the first decline we saw. And then it really picked up, like, in the south in the Sun Belt. Um, and then those started to taper off. And then as soon as they did, though, it started picking off in the upper Midwest. So while it looks like we've had, like, kind of one continuous chain of, like, an outbreak, it's really like a bunch of discrete regional outbreaks. And it still is not the case uh, though I would withhold judgment on it ever possibly being the case, but it still is not the case that any of the, our states that saw really big outbreaks initially have ticked back up again in cases. So that's, that's the good news. Um, but the bad news uh, is that there are some countries, particularly countries in Europe, where that is not the case. And if you had asked me a few weeks ago, I would have told you, I think that places like France, places like Belgium, places like Spain, places like Italy that got really annihilated wouldn't see another like resurgence in cases. And that turns out to not be correct. Now, in some of these places, it could again be like United States where it's quite regional. I don't know that it is the case for some of them, but I don't, can't rule it out either. My understanding is that they have a huge number of cases now in France. And it isn't just about testing in case you're wondering about that. There's a real uptick in like share of positive tests in these places as well, where it was down at sub 1% of the tests were coming back positive. It's up above 10% now. 10% is quite high. Um, so can you just talk about the meaning, meaning behind that number real quick? Like the so, share uh, of positive. So, yeah. Matters? So let's, let's, let's say that. So let's say you got your fear mongers, your, um, your CNN, let's say they okay. come out and they say the worst of the all worst. My, Oh my God, look at this chart. Look at these cases in Florida. They're going way up through the ceiling. Look at this. And then you say, okay, that sounds pretty bad, man. It must be really bad there. And then I show you another chart. Well, this is how many tests that they've been doing. And it also follows like a similar trend up because every state was trying to increase the number of pinches. Having more tests is generally a good thing, notwithstanding a any test that might give you too many false positives, and we can get into that later. Notwithstanding the, the, the bad parts of possible false positives, having more tests means you identify people earlier uh, so that they can not infect other people while they're infectious. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if you only look at raw case counts, those are obviously going to be affected by number of tests. So one way of looking at something that sort of splits the difference between them is to maybe look at share of tests that are coming back positive. Um, and more testing is only going to pull that down, if anything. So if you see, like, your number of tests is going up, but you're also, like, your fraction coming back positive is also going up, that mm -hmm. means you've got an actual epidemic going on because the number of people coming back positive is going up. Um, now, you can sidestep some of these problems, look just at hospitalizations or just at deaths, but those lag a lot. So if you were one of these people who believes that some of like the lockdowns and stuff like that really work, I'm not sure that I am. 
But if you believe that, then it is still important to look at case counts to say, okay, this is trending up. We should take some corrective action, maybe, you know, ask people to, you know, double, redouble their social distancing, if, if nothing else, mm-hmm. to try to bring that back down to some normal. So that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And okay. so you will get people on the skeptical side, especially be like, oh, it's just, it's, it's a case apocalypse. It's a, it's just number of tests going up. And Trump has put this out too. It's like, oh, we just, because we do so many more testing than other people. And it's like, you can see more raw case counts for more testing, but that isn't the whole story just because tests are going up. You can see other things as well. Yeah. So, so that's yeah, the bottom line. In that. I mean, and in France, I mean, just looking, I mean, they, they are starting to see a slight increase in deaths. Yes. It's not so crazy, is, but, you know. Right. It's, it's not crazy compared with their first peak yet, but it's not, it's certainly not zero. It's quite, a, it's, you know, it's up there with, uh, you know, I would yeah, say it's about a third, a third a of the, it's about a third of the way uh, up their positive peak from last time. They, and, I would say maybe like a fifth, because they peaked at almost a thousand a day was their seven day average, and they're at two hundred now. So, but still, it's it's a sizable you know chunk of what they. Okay, say. well, we could disagree on that because I have some other numbers here. But anyway, okay. uh, so but the point is that they're uh, you might be okay about that, but their case count has not started to roll over yet. So uh-uh. if I saw the, yeah. if I saw the deaths where. Uh, where they were somewhere between, let's just say, between a fifth and a third, but the cases had already rolled over, meaning the amount mm-hmm. per day was not increasing anymore, but was starting to like decrease or flatten out, then I might say, ah, this, the deaths this time are not going to be anything like last time. You know, it's not, it's not time to panic. It'll probably be okay. You also have to keep in mind that on the positive side, uh, the raw fatality rate, so fraction of people who go into the hospital that subsequently die, is down by like a factor of three from where it was like in May, mm-hmm. uh, like a- April, May. Uh, some of this is down to uh, the doctors being more on the same page in terms of like, not these new like fancy treatments, but just like the number of steroids, whether or not to intubate someone uh what amount, what level of care to give them, basically, uh, is been getting better. It's actually not totally clear what all the reasons are. Like, there isn't a consensus by any stretch why it's dropped. But if you factor that into, like, say, even, like, the deaths that are now, we could be talking about, like, a number of cases consistent with what uh, we had last time. But deaths are lower because we're better at treating people. Because yeah. we do have... Because we do have many more tests now. So if you say like, oh, the tests are a fraction of four, well, you were testing hardly anybody when France had its first wave. Right. It was right. like nothing available. Yeah. So so I would say that like the outbreak there is is pretty strong. My understanding is that this, there is probably a regional component, but there is still a quite a decent number of cases in Paris, which got hit the first time. So I would say that there's good evidence here that like even places that had a pretty decent first wave like Paris aren't at the level where you could say, oh, there's definitely herd immunity and it's gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, there is a lot of confusion here because there are places that are lo- had locked down really hard and have stayed locked down, like Chile, uh, Argentina, and other places where it's still going way up. And then other places like Sweden, which is, I wouldn't say is like out of the woods, but when all of Europe is having this huge second resurgence, they haven't had one yet. 
Mm-hmm. And there's no good explanation for this. So basically the results are all over the map and they don't seem very well correlated with like the stringency of the lockdowns in those countries. That's the fundamental thing here. Yeah. And so like you have a bunch of public health people pushing like a specific line, some of them anyway, not all of them, but some of them are like, oh, we have to lock down. Oh, we have to enforce social distancing. We have to close the restaurants. It's like the logic behind those moves is perfectly understandable, but they haven't seen necessarily the results in the data. Yeah. Um, Yes. Yeah, I agree. And I think that the onus of proof is on that side because the negative effects of the lockdown on the economy and what that does is very well understood, (laughs) you know? Yes. Like there's no doubt about that. There's no way you can stop production um, economically and have it not affect a bunch of people and you know, right. millions of people out of work. Um, you know, there's no doubt. So yeah, we, you know, I, I think you really got to be able to make the case that, that these lockdowns are doing anything. And it's something I wondered, you know, with, with France, um, or, or Spain or Italy. I mean, I don't know about and these are, you know, they all three could be very different. There could be, you know, each, each one is very different. Um, Mm -hmm. but you know, I, I mean, maybe France got hit sort of hard and locked down and never really achieved, you know, a significant amount. I mean, it's like, I, you know, I could imagine that is true. Um, I mean, when you look at their numbers, uh, you know, they're, I mean, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad there for, for a little while. Um, but I mean, it looks like like New York City or something, you know, um, it's a lot, a lot more people than New York City. Yeah, but let me put it this way. France had like France had per capita deaths that were only like uh, like 25 percent lower than Sweden. So if your argument is the reason Sweden is doing well, really well now is because they let the virus infect more people, tried to protect the vulnerable and achieved a herd immunity. Well, you would expect that to be reflected in like a level of herd immunity commensurate with like some number of deaths, right? Because the deaths is like a metric maybe for how much of your population it's moved through. Mm-hmm. So, so you know, and, and so that's why I would say the people who are, who are cheering Sweden right now, it's like, I hope that it's true. Right. But I just, it's hard for me to believe that all of these other countries uh, are seeing this huge resurgence and it's impossible that they are because there's nothing like in the data that would show me that to be the case. Yeah. So, so that's why I, like, I'm still skeptical of that. What, you know how in, uh, particularly in the Northeast, we had such a sort of inordinate amount of deaths of, of very old people. I mean, yes. what was that, did that occur in France as well? I don't know the data for that particular country. There are people yeah. who have done analysis of like, just seeing like how much COVID deaths there were, like modulated by the amount of elderly population. And you can account for like some of the discrepancies country to country by this. But then you look at a country like uh, say Japan uh, or like Greece, Greece maybe not so much anymore, but Japan certainly has a very old population and they didn't see a huge number of deaths. So like it doesn't, definitely doesn't tell the whole story by itself either. Yeah. Yeah, Greece, Greece, never, Greece never did all that badly, and their population is quite old. Um, so hmm. it's kind of hard to say. 
And that's the, that's the whole challenge of this is that there's a lot of uncertainty here. We do know that if you shut everything down, like your economy is going to get nailed. Like there's no doubt about that, but it's hard to, it's hard to do a cost benefit analysis when every time you talk about that, you know, people accuse you of wanting being a killer basically. Right. right. What was the country um, you were saying in South America that uh, I think you were saying remained not locked down? Chi- Chile? Chile and Ar- Chile and Argentina both had pretty strong uh, lockdown regimes okay. and their, their numbers are just like off the chart now. So, um, Chile is basically trending up with, uh, you know, on par with say United Kingdom and France at this point. Um, so, so like they're not doing like great commensurate with like what you would expect from just like their policy is the point. Yeah. Um, their total deaths per capita is above ours, above the United Kingdom's, um, Argentina's were ridiculously low, but they've just been trending upward and upward, and they're about to cross over uh, deaths per capita like United Kingdom uh, and within the next week or so, I would say. Yeah. Man, on the and, worldometer, their death, the chart list looks ridiculous. It looks so it, weird. It goes it's up. It's all messed up, yeah. Down, and then it's like they weren't reporting for a while or something, and now all of a sudden they're reporting a lot. Yes. But yeah, their case count is just a smooth curve up. Yep. Literally since so. March. <laughs> it's like just been just trudging along more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I think anybody who tells you like they understand what's going on completely is is probably blowing smoke. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what's going to happen next is even even less clear. Um so that's not made on Corona. Now this, this other topic. So, uh, if you want to talk about the flu, that's interesting as well. What's going on with that? Yeah, sure. So, uh, certainly this has been reported, but though not that wild widely. And I think it doesn't get reported that widely because as strange as it is, like there isn't really a partisan angle to it and it's not really very well understood at this point, but flu is a seasonal virus. That means that comes in, strongly at one part of the year and less at another. Uh, south, uh, the Southern Hemisphere has its summer when we have our winter and vice versa. So they get their flu when we have our summer. The crazy thing is that this uh, winter for the Southern Hemisphere, there was essentially no flu. Mm. And when I say no flu, I mean like a few percent at most of cases of what it would normally be. And there isn't a good explanation for this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, certainly there is the possibility that, so let's say you had a virus that it doesn't spread nearly as easily as the coronavirus. Let's say that the flu is in that category. I'm not going to make a strong statement, but let's just say that it is. Mm-hmm. Let's say that it has normal replicate, its replication number in normal times is like, say, 1.2, 1.5, something like that. So every person who gets it affects on average 1.5 people until it moves through some fraction of the population uh, who are just maybe dirtier than other people, and then it tapers <laughs> off every winter. Uh, one theory is just that, like, with the social distancing, uh, with the enhanced hygiene, that was enough to bring something that wasn't 
doesn't spread like wildfire, like much less than COVID, down with, with a replication number below zero. And then it just doesn't have a great chance to propagate through the population mm-hmm. and just never, never has a chance really to get going. This actually might be amazingly good news because maybe it means just like, you know, the kind of stuff that they do in Asia now, like wearing masks, like for some fraction of the winter or when you're sick or just maybe washing your hands a little more, being a little bit more cognizant of how close you're staying to people, maybe you can get rid of the flu. And that kills a ton of people, yeah. uh, like 100,000 or something uh, each year. Uh, so that would be great if so. Um, maybe some good would actually come out of all of this uh, madness. Yeah. Um, there are other theories, too, where it is a known fact that like viruses can interfere with each other. So... A one virus can set your immune system up to defend even a fairly unrelated one by like amping it up or like responding to that. Um, I wouldn't say there's a great, a lot of great proof for this yet. And I have some proof that I put together that I think that kind of contradicts it. Uh, but it is a possibility that COVID being present in these communities might be partial, uh, uh, be a reason that the flu is partially suppressed. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it would be, would be interesting. So is there a flu in Japan normally? Do you know? I, I think there is uh, everywhere at one part of the year or another. Okay. Um, I don't have the WHO uh, flu numbers. Let me see. I had some data on the flu, but I don't think I had it for Japan. I compared – the reason I was skeptical of this, like, viral interference thing was because I compared two countries uh, that had almost no COVID to two countries that had a lot of COVID. So I compared uh, Australia and Singapore, countries with hardly any COVID, to uh, Argentina and Chile that have a lot of COVID. And I looked at their flu numbers. And so you might think if this is some interference thing, then the countries that really didn't get hit that hard with COVID uh, would still have their normal flu. And the ones that did get hit hard would, would be fully suppressed. And that's not reflected in the data at all. In every single one of those countries, there was no flu. Mm. So uh, the, the social distancing, insofar as I've seen any hypotheses, seems the most likely right now. But that's only because I don't have any other answer. Yeah, and yeah. it seems, pl- and it's pl- certainly plausible. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what you'd want to compare is when the flu disappeared to say, like, when awareness grew and the social distancing kind of stuff started. And I'm sure scientists are doing that work now, and you'll see some papers in the next year or two on this. Uh huh. Interesting, interesting. So, wow. Yeah, I mean, so let's say I'm really, I feel like I'm really just pushing you off into like, (laughs) Never, never land of like, look, buddy, I'm not an epidemiologist, but I'm just going to keep asking questions and thinking. So let's let's say, you know, we're dealing with this coronavirus thing for another year or so or whatever. So we're keeping up like super social distancing, mask wearing or whatever. Where like what is the ultimate source of the flu? Like, would it ever just be gone? Like if we then were reverted back to our old dirty ways would the flu just come back like is it always here does it like where does it come from originally new flu strains come in from animals from time to time mm. so if you heard of you've probably heard of swine flu you've right, heard of right. bird flu. like these are diseases that come in and if you look at 
like the, the WHO's flu data, like it splits it up into a number of different strains. And in some years, some of these strains are more prominent and some are other. I don't have like a good answer for whether, and I don't think it's the case that like a new, every year a new thing comes in from animals. That is not the case. But even if we like eliminated the current strains entirely through something like, say, would come. through something new, like there would be a time when a new one would probably come along. Unless they shut down the wet markets in China. <laughs> yes. If we get that done, you know. The wet markets, right. yes. That's why you uh, should vote for Trump. You know, he's the only president that would try to shut down the wet markets in China. Well, you know, it's, it, I mean, it, these, a lot of these diseases come from animals. Like, that's been the bane of humanity since we started domesticating them. Uh, <laughs> we just didn't really understand what was happening back then. So, maybe maybe this will make people a little bit more aware of that and we can keep our hygiene just like a little bit better just like just at the level where we don't have to shut everything down but just be a little bit less filthy animals yeah and we can avoid some significant amount of misery <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's interesting that this um it's like you said. I mean, I, well, I I don't I don't know when the when the year is out, what the final mm -hmm. tally is going to be. But, um, you know, let's say in the U.S., two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand deaths, probably yeah. from COVID. Versus, what's yeah. the worst flu year ever? Not even a hundred thousand, right? I think the worst flu year is like sixty thousand. Uh, yeah, that's true, but it's. It's hard to get a, like a really firm grip on it, but it's like in that ballpark, yeah. yeah. Even if you give it a hundred thousand, it's yeah. still, um, yeah. So I mean, this is significantly worse, you know, three times. Yeah. But it's it's not like a hundred times worse, you know. Like it's no, not, no, it's not. Um, but it's pushed. It it's just like that. Some threshold has been reached where people were just like, "Oh hell no!" I mean, and maybe yeah. you could just say it's the media or whatever. Like we're saying, I mean, the the solutions aren't, um, you know, locking down and I yeah I just say it's sort of anecdotally or whatever. But I in Georgia, I mean, I just feel like we've never locked down. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it, I mean, possibly for. A, a brief time, like maybe through April. Yeah. Uh, you know, there isn't a, there isn't a lot of good evidence that the lockdown itself does anything. Yeah. There is some decent evidence that like the social distancing and stuff like that works. The mask is much more heavily divided, but the sort of like yeah. distancing and like cleaning things extra well, uh, having people wash their hands a few extra times a day, like, there is reason to believe that those things work yeah. and they're not like that invasive of people's like personal liberties or ability to like live their lives. Yeah. And there's reason to believe the masks work as well, or at least help. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say work, but I mean, if it reduces, you know, your risk by 20%, I mean, it's, I, I still say that that it's, is it, quote unquote working. It is, it is very, I, I just, I'm not at the point where I would say like the mask work. There are yeah. a few studies. There are a few studies that are positive, but if you go as late as like last year, a huge WHO like review of masks was like, they're not worth it. They don't do that much. Mm -hmm. And there are like a few like real scientists who, who think that they do hurt. Um, the basic idea being 
when you breathe through the mask, it's uh, aerosolizing what was formerly the big water droplets. So yes, it does block those big water droplets, but the force of your breath in and out aerosolizes the virus into smaller droplets that stay in the air a lot, that stay in the air a lot longer. Interesting. Yeah. So like there is real good, like fluid dynamics uh, and and from people who are in that field saying like, you can't just say, well, they can't hurt. Like that is not a thing. Mm -hmm. And it is definitely the case right now that there was a, that to me, like having looked at it, there is some decent publication bias against anti-mask papers. Sure. The, sure one, yeah. the one or two, the one or two that have been come out that were anti-mask, like people were yelling for their retraction, for reasons that are like, uh, maybe. Uh-huh. There's a big study that just that was completed in August in Denmark about masks. It's pretty clear at this point that it was negative, and they've been to four of the big journals, and none of them will publish it. Yeah. Yeah, it's so. It's- so, like, when that's the case. How do you know that you can't say that the literature supports masking at that point? Because yeah. it's not a it's not a fair fight in terms of like being able to duke it out. Yeah, that's really depressing. I I mean that is right in line with you know when we were last week talking about the you know the Hunter Biden stuff and how you were talking about you know the what really was the thing that bothered you the most was the treatment of the new york post by twitter and facebook and everything and, yeah and i mean whoo if if right. research is being manipulated to that degree i mean i don't even know what right. but there's the answer is there's always like this publication bias like that mm-hmm. is just like a known thing and, and science does have a degree of trendiness to it but you know like Everyone knows at this point, if you had did some research and it came out as anti-mask or even neutral on mask, you are got to think, I should just throw this in the file drawer and not try to publish it because it's going to make my life a nightmare. Like every single epidemiologist on every government's payroll is going to try to rip me to shreds and look for like the smallest thing and smallest mistakes in this that I did wrong. Mm-hmm. And to give like a perfect example, there was like uh, uh, one of the one of the pretty big COVID skeptics early on. This John Anaitis, uh, who's at Stanford, had did like a, a put out a study early on where he used Facebook to re- recruit us like study participants like for to for questionnaires, and he got ripped to shreds. Everyone was like, "Oh, like." what are you stupid? Like, don't you know the bias behind this and blah, blah. And it's like, those things are all true. Yeah. Okay. He's aware of that. Everybody's in the field is aware of that. You take it into consideration when you put this evidence against the rest. It's not any one paper is going to show like the whole story. Right. Right. And then a paper came out just a few days ago, which was, uh, I think it was just like a, it was basically a pro mask paper or something like Mm -hmm. that, or it was, Yes, I think that it, I think that it was a, a mass paper, and again, it was like they recruited people uh, on on uh, Facebook and asked them if they knew anybody who had COVID symptoms. So it's completely like deciding whether you're going right. to report it. And this paper got blasted out all yeah. over Twitter. <laughs> Every single oh, one of God. these 
guys who has thousands and thousands of followers because they, they run around like chicken little every single time the case counts tick up a little bit was blasting this paper out. No one actually read it except for like me and like a few other people. And I read this and I'm just like, you know what? It's fine if they're recruiting people because this is a paper that's supposed to go to other scientists who are aware of the limitations of that technique and can take it into consideration. Mm -hmm. But nobody who reads this paper on Twitter, that's the headline of it, knows right, that. Right, yeah. And so you have this completely like complete asymmetry in like the level of evidence that most people are willing to accept when it comes to popular conclusions and unpopular conclusions. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's one thing if they're, I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know. Let's say just like string theory is in vogue or whatever. So oh, exactly. anything, anything you can publish in it that sort of keeps that word going and is more in the, you know, mm -hmm. it's easier to get funding or whatever, but there's no, there's no like political alignment. And that's to me the, what makes the COVID thing worse or the, or the, yes. the mass thing or global warming. I mean, I feel like it's very similar with man-made global warming. Mm -hmm. I just, it's like, look, you know, I'm not like a climate scientist. <laughs> like I'm not, right. I don't know, you know, you've spent a ton of time over the last like six or so months, you know, um, becoming, you know, understanding this this literature but i mean it's a serious endeavor it's not yeah you know there's you, you got to know what was published previously you learn all these different you know all the lingo and uh, uh you know all this stuff and and um yeah it's it's uh it's disheartening i mean <laughs> uh that that it's that that controlled um because i would have to i, I mean i would i would assume i mean from everything i've heard very similar experiences to people that ever publish or try to publish something that goes counter to the narrative of man-made global warming is going to yeah. produce, you know, like an, an uninhabitable earth or something in, in X yeah. number of years. And, and it makes it so somebody like myself, like I, I don't, I don't know how to really have a firm opinion on it. I generally just respond to, well, whatever is going on, I don't believe that the government response to it is the solution. Like the government mm -hmm. taking away more of my money or, you know, uh, aggressing against myself or my property or other people's property, like that to me yeah. is never the solution. Like government will be worse for the, the climate. You know, the more private owned you know, natural areas, the, the better for the earth, because I think that people who have personal ownership of the land will be better stewards of that land. On average, I'm not saying that somebody can't, you know, take a plot of land and just nuke it. But uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> I think that the the government does it more is, has that oh, as more as like general operating procedure, you know, because you just yeah. have people that have no skin in the game that can then just, you know, sort of, use a, a piece of land for whatever they want and then just toss it aside when it's done. So, you know, I, I think that that's, you know, that that's kind of how I step through that. And what it does is it kind of always puts me in opposition to people that buy into man-made global warming. And I feel like at the end of the day, I'm not really in opposition to you. I'm just op in opposition to the methods that you are trying or the things you're trying to enforce. And I think it's sort of similar with this. Uh, like, I don't, you know, COVID seems pretty bad. I mean, you know, 
we're going to be what? I mean, five times like the worst, you know, ever annual deaths and flus. But, you know, from what you're saying, it's not, you know, we're not It'll denying be like that. We're just saying the government right. shouldn't force people to not work. Yes. There are basically two problems that you you identified in what you were saying. So the, the one is there is too much science journalism, especially right now, mm. because that takes what is a normal problem of publication bias and like amps it up to 11. Because when the scientists know that only other scientists are looking at their work, they can be restrained in their conclusions and they can like soberly consider when someone puts something that's like outside of like the, the predominant view. When you know you're going to get attacked if you put something else outside of that, you're not going to want to do it. Conversely, if you know you're going to have a blockbuster paper that, sh- that convinces everybody of what they already know, it, it, it makes it so your paper is going to get way out there. So many more people are going to read it. You're going to get interviewed for the New York Times, you know? Yep. It's like these sleepy, these sleepy little professors who yeah. no one's wanted to talk to them in their whole <laughs> life are suddenly superstars. That's a problem. Yeah. People shouldn't be superstars, okay? Yeah. That's not what their job is. And the second problem that you identified uh, – is you have the science on one hand and then you have policy prescriptions on the other. When an epidemiologist comes on and says, I am making X and Y predictions for number of cases and number of deaths, they're acting as an epidemiologist. When they get out and say, we need to shut down all businesses, they are talking out of their butt because that is a value judgment that depends on how much you value people's right to work and to go out of their houses against the cases, the hospitalizations, and the deaths that you have some knowledge of. And these people are being asked their opinion on whether or not we should lock down. That isn't what they do. And it's not something that they're equipped to answer in an intelligent way. Their job is to present like sound scientific data to the people who can then listen to the epidemiologists, can listen to the economists, can listen to you know whoever else might have some input to offer. The civil libertarians maybe will get a word in at some point, <laughs> uh, and, and then to synthesize that and then make it, decide policy based on that. So yeah. like yeah, basically that those are like the two issues as I see them. And you know, COVID is of course like c- climate change as you mentioned is a huge one of them, and COVID is of course another. Yeah. Amen, brother. Well. Uh I think we can maybe wrap it up there. What do you think? Do you yeah, any other, sounds good. Any, uh, yeah, so um, I, to me that yeah, just the guiding the guiding kind of principle is is the non aggression principle. Really, mm-hmm. it's believing in that and believing that you know, and that I think that's why I do kind of bristle at the the global warming or the lockdown mask wearing and. It's like not even necessarily that I don't agree. It's just that I know what you're, you know, you're, you're coming, you know, at, at this, at these principles that I know to be true, you know, I I can't, I won't, I won't accept this. Uh, Anyway. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we need to step off. Give you another banging episode. Um, Oh, I wanted to say, uh, 
<laughs> there was a so um Alex, this is totally random. This is like not not total non non sequitur. <laughs> uh Alex Jones was on Joe Rogan today, which famous I heard was, he got back on. Yeah. Even after they like didn't bring the other episode back or something. Yeah. So, so the big take that yeah. people at Spotify who are trying to protest. I put it they have it on YouTube. They have like a small, I guess they put like a small chunk of it or something. And okay. I mean, I think it had been out for I don't even know, like t- 10 or 20 minutes. And there was like 400,000 views on it already. Like, <laughs> like immediately I saw it and he immediately within like two minutes, uh, he corrects somebody on the pronunciation of Ghislaine Maxwell, which he actually, cor- <laughs> Alex Jones corrects them to an incorrect. He kept, kept, keeps calling her Ghislaine Maxwell. And Joe Rogan's like, God, it's a bad name, isn't it? <laughs> and then he he immediately goes on some rant about how, you know, she was an MI6 spy and she was a big in the, she was really the top, not Epstein for the sex oh. trafficking. And she was the father of an MI6 spy that got thrown off a yacht in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. That's within like two minutes into the interview. So, but I think that part all is true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, not that she was at the top, but the stuff about her family, I think, is. Yeah. Well, he meant that he felt like that she was sort of probably more uh, important than Epstein. Like Epstein, I think, was like a gifted blackmailer. I think that like he really Mm -hmm. had a talent for this stuff. Um, (laughs) She was the connections. You know, she was she was the um, that that's at least the the theory. But yeah. And and honestly, I feel like most of the stuff like Alex Jones, I think it's more about his personality and the way he delivers. um, But I feel like he most of the stuff he says is is uh you know pretty accurate like turning the frogs gay I mean he was specifically referring to a paper like there it was it was like a a paper where they were showing okay. like the effect of fluoridation in water on the gen uh like I don't know if it would be gen- I guess gender of frogs or something but like I guess they were looking at the way they I- had sex with each other or something Okay. <laughs> so yeah, like I know there just, are a lot of amphibians whose sex can be a uh, like changed by the environment. Like yeah, so the fact maybe that this that's global why warming makes more makes more female or more male turtles. I don't remember which. Oh my way god, is global warming making the world gay? Yes. Oh my god, but yeah, yeah. So he he has a a real gift at taking something reasonable and making it seem insane. But like same as Trump. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, I—I I mean, I would say he's probably—I would say Alex Jones is like a lot more um, consistent than Trump. Trump is sort of just like says whatever. <laughs> like he really, yeah. but I feel like if you ask Alex Jones the same kind of question, like, and then you come back next week and you ask him it, he'll pretty yeah, much give you the, the same, same answer. answer. Yeah, and he'll yeah. give it you mm-hmm. at like an eleven. He'll just go bananas. And <laughs> Uh, yeah, that too. Another thing I wanted, I wanted to mention just to, you know, give ourselves a pat on the back, um, specifically me that, with this, but the whole ding gang, you know, the Chinese guy, he's been still breaking, oh, okay. breaking stuff. I'm telling you again, you know, you should be listening to this and don't, you know, when you see the episode, listen to it. Don't listen to Dave Smith first or Alex Jones before this, because okay. I beat them both. Both to this stuff. <laughs> Our episodes led. Like we were Boom. the ones. Yeah. It was the only thing that that I 
that uh, and this is my a buddy of mine uh, and I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name him but a buddy of mine sent me some ultra like conspiracy theory video on BitChute so I don't know do you know what <laughs> BitChute is I know that it's some, some like YouTube alternative yes that if you try to post a link to it on Twitter it like gives a warning screen yeah. I don't actually know there's anything wrong with it it's no, just it's another great. one of these things that Twitter hates so yeah, yeah. If Twitter, I think everyone should use BitChute yeah no BitChute's <laughs> awesome it's super uh janky like it's not great there, there's mm -hmm. um, D Live is very nice and D Live okay. I think is actually a blockchain based um YouTube and streamer thing everything like that um but BitChute's more it feels more raw. Like okay. <laughs> it is just like a big F you to anybody that's censoring. Anyway, I'm pretty sure this person's videos are only on BitChute. And a buddy of mine sent it and he was like, the intro is kind of weird. He's like, but it's actually pretty interesting. And that was what got me on the ding gang. So that guy really beat, you know, now granted this was sitting around for weeks. We just didn't speak okay. Chinese, you know. Nobody, nobody realized it. But then at some, once it actually came out, somebody was like, "Wait a second, this guy, I think, was talking about it." So, anyway, you know, we don't have all the fancy studios and the big connections, but you know, I am from the internet. Like I know how to move <laughs> around in the dark spaces in the in the corners. I get my stories, I verify stuff by whatever means necessary, whether, you know, 4chan, whatever I need to do. Pat's going to get the on four that onion. corners of the internet for yeah. you. Go fire up that onion browser, whatever yep. I need to get the real deal. And, I, you know, and hey, you would have found out a couple days early, you know. Be gone, Keep gone listening. Another thing, hey, if you live in we'll Hamburg, give, well, oh yeah, we're giving out the election results early, so you should yeah. definitely tune into the election. <laughs> we really should do an election yeah. special. That'd be great. I've always <laughs> wanted to do something like that. Maybe we can get like another guest on, or I don't know. Yeah. It could be, it could be dicey. Like I, you know, who's a big. Big dice roll bringing you on. I mean, I had no idea what would happen. It's not like we're like professional radio people or whatever. Um, so yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna plug this. Um, if you do listen to Dave Smith, which I love, I'm just saying he's kind of a step behind. In no hope um, with you yeah. know breaking stories, but of he's course, funny. Of course. He's very funny and he's rock solid on the, the libertarian stuff. Uh, yeah. His co host most of the time is Robbie the Fire Bernstein. He is also a, a stand-up comedian. He's going to be doing a show at my brother's house on December oh, 5th, yeah. a close-out-the-year show. He did one earlier, and it was a real great success. And because everything in New York closed, Robbie's been sort of going around and doing this stuff. But I'll put the Eventbrite link in my uh, show notes. I will probably not be there because I will be in Pennsylvania both before and after that. I don't three straight trips in in that short of time is a bit much um and <laughs> i have uh I, I can i can tell you about some some new breaking news with it michael heiss the founder of the mises caucus of the libertarian party mm. is uh said to be in attendance he's probably going to say a few words so we'll see i think there's going to be some some uh new uh exciting guests that we may be able to <laughs> announce uh but if anybody's in, in the philadelphia area um you know you should go to that it should be pr pretty fun um robbie's a super funny guy 
Uh, and my, my uh, brothers are maniacs, so you can meet them too. Uh, awesome. All right. You got any events to plug? Or anything? No, no <laughs> events here. Yeah. Uh, get out and vote, I guess. Yeah, if you want to. <laughs> yeah, or don't. All right, cool. Well, we will uh we'll see you. We'll either maybe we'll do a Sunday episode, but maybe we'll stretch it out and we'll see you on Tuesday. I don't know. Stay we'll tuned. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey, one more thing I wanted to say. Adam is uh gone, but what we didn't touch on at all is that uh Amy Coney Barrett is officially confirmed to the Supreme Court. Um, the, you know, it's interesting to think that at, at a, some point, wasn't even sure. Remember talking about, ah, do we think this will happen? You think they'll do it before the election? Oh, well, they don't have to get it in before the election and all this stuff. And then we started to realize, well, I mean, they have the votes to get it, Senate. So, and I, I don't know if this turned out to be the fastest. I'm sure this was one of the fastest on, on record. But now um, these sort of, quote unquote, conservative judges have a six to three huge majority in the nine person Supreme Court. Uh, so just wanted to, you know, drop that in. If, if somehow you've been uh, living under a rock and, and haven't heard anything about that. So. I guess congratulations, and if Biden wins, um, who knows what kind of shitstorm is going to come, because if you didn't do that, and you waited, and Biden was elected, you know, maybe all they do is just elect the next nominee and don't pack the court, but now, who knows, we may have 11, we may have 13, 15 justices, who knows. Anyway, talk to y'all later, peace.